Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen post on Tumblr, joined with Guile. Hi, I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Chicky. Hi, I am Chicky. I am Chickren on Tumblr. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I wasn't for a minute, but I am now. Okay. And returning is the lovely Gato. Hi, I'm Gato. You can find me at Gato Mischief on Tumblr. All right, um, we're yeah. continuing the Dunk and Egg Tales um, with the Sworn Sword, which we've broken up into three parts. So this will be part one. Um, so general spoiler warnings for the A Song of Ice and Fire universe, um, especially um, the Dunk and Egg novellas, and perhaps um, the GOT TV series. Uh, we start off with Dunk and Egg, and they're at the crossroads where there are two corpses rotting in an iron cage. Egg wonders what they did. Dunk suggests uh, robbery, murder, or rape. Or perhaps they stole some bread or maybe poached a deer in some lord's woods. They move on from the grisly scene and onwards to Standfast to deliver wine. There has been two years of drought, and Dunk is worried about the ruts in the road breaking his horse's leg. And uh, he says, a night without a horse was no night at all. Uh, the drought was also, has also made traveling more dangerous as outlaws prowl the roads. Um, so the small folks have taken to them and they're looking for places with water. And Blood Raven has commanded them to return to their lands and lords. Um, but the And the people generally blame him and King Ares for the drought. And then Dunk reminisces on the time he saw Blood Raven before he was made hand. And I kind of love the description. It's really short. I'm just going to read it. Garbed in smoke and scarlet with dark sister on his hip. His pallid skin and bone white hair made him look like a living corpse. Across his cheek and chin spread a wine-stained birthmark that was supposed to resemble a red raven. Though Dunk saw only saw an odd-shaped blotch of discolored skin. He stared so hard that Blood Raven felt it. The king's sorcerer had turned to study him as he went by. He had one eye and that one red. The other was an empty socket, the gift Bitter Steel had given him upon the red grass field. Yet it seemed to Dunk that both eyes had looked right through his skin, down to his very soul. Okay, okay, had I missed this before? Does does Blood Raven run around with like out even a patch or like a fake eye or anything? He just leaves his empty eye socket out? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Oh! <laughs> Dude can afford a patch. <laughs> I mean, and I feel like with the rest of his look, like a good pirate black eye patch would be kind of bitching. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, pretty sexy, right? I mean... It's, well, and he wants to bang Shira Seastar, and she's supposed to be, you know, gorgeous, although maybe she's into it. Oh, yeah. Gross. <laughs> I'm thinking really horrible things. <laughs> yeah, we, we all are. <laughs> That's actually a really good point, though, because, like, whenever you see, like, art and, um, I know, in my imaginings, too, I always pictured him with an eye patch, but there is no eye patch in that description, is there? I think I've seen him with an eye patch in most art, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Good mm. observation. 
So, um, Dunk thinks how nice it would be to take his tunic off, but he is a sworn sword now, and all he does reflects on his lord. They meet a man named Bennis at an old plank bridge, and Bennis tells them they took so long he thought they ran off. Dunk tells Bennis that they had to travel to Dosk. Um, the Greyjoys had raided Little Dosk. And Bennis tells Dunk, Sir, useless. Um, want it four casks of wine, not two. Dunk tells him they are lucky for two as the drought has reached the arbor. And then Egg notices that the stream beneath the bridge has gone dry. And uh, Dunk worries about the crops and wonders how the stream went dry so fast. They were only gone six days. Bennis seems unconcerned. Um, he calls Sir Eustace Sir Useless again, which forces Dunk to chastise the man. <laughs> How about this Bennis already? <laughs> right. Well, he's, he's totally yep. yeah. So to go back to the Bloodraven thing for a second, yeah. why do you guys think, um, you know, is that like Bloodraven, like, is he getting like a vision, a li- like a waking vision of Dunk or something? Or is it just, you know, Dunk imagining it because of his rep of Bloodraven's reputation. Well, it clearly is meant to be something because it sounds like Bloodraven did kind of, you know, I would use the term recognize him for want of a better one. Um, I'm not really up on my Targaryen lore well enough to say how far into um, his visions Bloodraven may have been at this point. I mean, obviously he was he was definitely having, you know, those weird Targaryen prophetic dreams and stuff. Um, so if he might have, you know have have seen dunk in a vision at that point and recognized him as a kid i mean like it, it's possible yeah or you know maybe blood raven doesn't even recognize what he's feeling you know it could be yeah like his, at that mm-hmm. point like, like the force yeah i was oh, gonna God. say yeah. like his <laughs> spidey senses were tingling yeah <laughs> it makes sense and then you. i wonder if is it you know is it dunk or is it you know 100 years in the future and it's brienne Oh, weird. Ooh. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably Dunk. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, you know, we later have Bloodraven, you know, possibly, probably sending a prophetic dream to Jamie about, you know, Brienne. So I want, you know, it's like, God, did this all start, like, way back when? I love that. I mean, thought. I would... I would say it's probably just about Dunk himself. I mean, he has a pretty huge effect on the Targaryen right. dynasty, if you look at oh, yeah. how many have died just since he appeared on the scene. It's been pretty brutal. Dunk, bane of the Targaryens. Well, but, right? yeah. you know, if we ever find out what happened at Summerhall, which, of course, we probably never will, you know, it's yeah. who did he say? Is that what it's about? Is who he, you yeah, know, who I, he This is part of my thing. I think, you know, I, you know it's like you had Darren's... Um, you know, saying to Dunk, you know, I, I dreamed of you, and he had dreamed of, you know, the dead dragon on top of Dunk, and it's like, obviously it was a reference to to Baylor dying on top of him, but I was like, I wonder if this is also a reference to Summer Hall eventually, so, mm. yeah, if we yeah. ever find out. It could yeah. be. Oh, can we jump back to the very beginning with those corpses in that crow's cage? Yeah. Yep. Um, do you want, I was wondering, do you think that had anything to do with the Webbers? Because, um, if you jump later into this little novella, whenever Dunk meets the Lady Weber, she she's talking about um, pretty much. It almost I think she said something about if people badmouthed her, that's a good way to get into a crow's cage. It was something along that line, huh. if I remember right. Oh, I think we're definitely supposed to think she's responsible for the yeah. 
And the I mean, man's tongue was probably I never, ripped I didn't out. Even make right? that oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, the guy's tongue was ripped out. That probably yeah, you're probably exactly oh. right. Yeah. Boy, don't talk shit about Lady Weber. <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's a scary lady. Talk shit. Talk shit get get it. It. Ah, yep. I got him. Yep. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> So Duncan specs the stream. He picks up a rock and it's still wet beneath. The stream has not been dry that long. Dunk tells Egg to continue on to deliver the wine to Sir Eustace. He wants to inspect more downstream. Sir Benis discourages Dunk, but follows him anyway. They come upon a dam with uh, several men working on it. The sight of it fills Dunk with indignation. Benis gallops towards them in intent on putting some fear into the men. The men tell him that um, Maester Sarek ordered them to build the dam. Um, Their crops and pear trees were dying. They insist they are on Weber land. Benis escalates things by slicing one of the diggers' face open. He tells them to run away. Go back to your lady's castle. Dunk tells them they meant no harm. They just wanted to um, get their water back. The remaining men leave, promising to tell their lady all. God damn it, Venice. Oh, yeah, Venice, what a shit. Like, oh, don't do anything, don't do anything, and now I'm going to do something. <laughs> like, totally pointless. Well, uh, yeah, I love it how he's, like, pretending like he doesn't realize that something's wrong with the water. He's like, oh, it's probably nothing. I'm sure it's just dried up. And it's like, no, clearly if there was running water the day before, something is wrong. But he just didn't even, you know, like, so lazy or whatever. Lazy, yeah. Like, like, yeah he's, he's just so lazy. lazy he won't check it out, but not lazy enough that he won't fuck it up. lazy and dumb very dangerous combinations (laughs) yeah if you're lazy just stay lazy don't like try to make an effort you're no good at it (laughs) stay in your lane (laughs) so on the way back um benis and dunk discuss the incident dunk tells benis he should not have cut that man Benis thinks he should have cut his throat and ride down the rest. He's um, certain Sir Eustace will want to take action against the Red Widow, a.k.a. Lady Weber. And they are outnumbered by her men. They make it back to Stanfast. Egg takes the men's horses to drink. And um, much to the objection um, from Egg, who has to take um, Sir Benis's as well. Um, so they go inside the castle to seek out Sir Eustace, and we learn Sir Eustace had three boys who all died fighting in the Blackfire Rebellion, their bodies buried amongst the blackberry bushes. They find Sir Eustace in his solar, scrubbing the dirt off an old shield. It belonged to the little lion, a knight who stood up against the Lannisters in battle during um, a time when the Seven Kings still ruled Westeros. Despite facing um, King Lancel Lannister's Valerian blade, Sir Wilbur Osgrey took him out with him, ending Lannister aggression in their area. Isn't so, it funny to hear King Lancel Lannister and then think of like our Lancel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was something about the imagery too of um, Sir Eustace, like this this old man like just sitting in his chambers amongst all his old relics that really got to me you know um he's got all these objects with all these stories tied to them and he's the only one that knows them and when he's gone those stories will be gone too mm. something about I mean, he's, that there's i mean yeah there's just like sadness kind of wrapped all around him with the idea of him 
you know, like they won't say he's visiting, you know, his son's graves. It's there. He's in the black, you know, the blackberries and stuff. And just that kind of, you know, that kind of picture too is just really, oh, really sad. Yeah. The way they kept saying he was visiting the boys. Yeah. The blackberries. It was yeah. so sad. Yeah. And he's really a sad figure in that, you know, you can, you can tell he's the last of a, a very noble line and that they have just, you know, their house is diminished to, I mean, basically they're just landed knights at this point and it, it is kind of sad. It's yeah. just kind of, you know, there's yeah. a, a melancholy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he's, it's very much like a family that's given their all for their king. And they've, yeah. they've gotten yeah. nothing out of it, you know, but he still clings to his ideals, I guess. It's, it's poor dude. <laughs> poor old <Yeah>. useless. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out for, to Egg for his good, like, not my job, not my job description. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, management loves that attitude. <laughs> but I like that he's I, I like that he's not some like perfect little kid. Like he's you know kind of a, you know he's a sassy little brat, which yeah, you know he should be. Right. He shouldn't be anything but that. So I, I like and again I, I do think that you know George writes kids so well, and you just you know it's obviously it's not as um vivid as when he's writing from their own pov with egg but still i think he just he just has you know he just has that right voice for kids so perfectly he gives me a kind of a a little bit of an arya stark vibe maybe because of the sassiness if nothing else <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> yeah and you, get, you only get those little short lines with egg but you know who he is like his personality yeah. is pretty clear <laughs> he's not passive at all and then I just get sad, you know, thinking about, like, what happens to him. And oh. just, you know, oh. and just how he goes from the sassy kid. Well, you know, obviously, like, super spoilers, but just, yeah, you know, how it all ends for him and how it all ends for Dunk. And then I just like, oh, this is supposed to be, like, the happy stories. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah, at least like, at least they're really old when it happens. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> they lived a, a decent amount of time. I don't think about that. Just enjoy the journey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the destination. <laughs> so Benis informs Sir Eustace of the dam, and Sir Eustace is not pleased. Dunk tries to tell him of the incident with the men working in the, on the dam, and then Benis interrupts. I taught one fool a lesson, that was all. A little a little claret on his cheek, and Sir Eustace is not pleased. He knows the Red Widow will not take it lightly. She's murdered three of her own husbands, after all, and all of her brothers died young, so obviously she did that too. <laughs> then he adds, and she'd whip the skin off any peasant who displeases her. Probably so, caused the drought. Yeah, right? Her evil vagina probably caused the drought. <laughs> So, Dunk suggests they speak with Lord Rohan, their liege lord, and um, Eustace squashes the idea, saying Lord Rohan's sister married um, one of Weber's relatives, and he wants Dunk instead to rouse all his ab- all the able-bodied men, and he'll show her that he still has claws. So Dunk uh. does, yeah, Dunk does as commanded. Um, stopping at one of the three villages of Stanfast, and uh, he speaks with the elderly women and children, as well as because all the working men are in the fields. He tells them, The Red Widow has taken your water. One woman notices Egg's bald head and asks if he's sick. Egg answers back, It's shaven, <laughs> and then turns away. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to stop at that um, point with um, Eustace deciding to do this? <laughs> 
No, well, we can get into it later, but it's just like, oh, God, you know, it's just like, pick your battles a little better. <laughs> I don't know. Not that this isn't life and death for his people. It is, but, you know, yeah, why not try a diplomatic option first, even if you think it won't work? I mean, even if there's only a 2% chance, try it. Right. He's like all in like, and he's been around his war relics too long. He's not really thinking about the little people here at all. Oh. Yeah. But it's his checkway water. <laughs> Yeah, it's stupid check I love water. That quote. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh, like it means so much to my check with water. It's where I fished. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Dunk asks if um he Dunk, Dunk notices that egg seems a bit perturbed and he asks him if he's upset that he sided with Venice about his horse the day before. And Egg tells Dunk, I'm not his squire, he's dirty and mean mouthed, and he pinches me. Dunk recalls being pinched by Bennis as well when he was younger, um, back when he squired for Sir Arlen. Dunk tells Egg to let him know if Bennis pinches him again. Till then, just mind his horse. Dunk asks, um, oh wait, Dunk also tells Egg he'll never, or he'll need to help the small folk too. And then I just selected a little bit. Egg looked indignant. I have to serve small folk, not serve help. We need to turn them into fighters, if the widow gives us time enough. If the gods are good, a few will have done some soldiering before, but most will be green as summer grass, more used to holding hoes than spears. Even so, a day may come when our lives depend on them. How old were you when you first took up a sword? I was little, sir. The sword was made of, from wood. Common boys fight with wooden swords, too, only theirs are sticks and broken branches. Egg, these men may seem fools to you. They won't know the proper names for bits of armor, or the arms of the great houses, or which king it was who abolished the lord's right to the first knight. But they treat them with respect all the same. You are a squire born of noble blood, but you are still a boy. Most of them will be men grown. A man has his pride, no matter how low-born he may be. You would seem just as lost and stupid in their villages. And if you doubt that, go hoe a row and shear a sheep and tell me the names of all the weeds and wildfires, flowers in Watts Wood. The boy considered for a moment. I could teach him the arms of the great houses and how Queen Alison convinced King Jaharis to abolish the first night. And they could teach me which weeds are best for making poisons and whether those green berries are safe to eat. They could, Dunk agreed, but before you get to King Jaharis, you'd best help teach them how to use a spear. And don't go eating anything that Maester won't eat, which is the mule, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love this oh. bit. Oh, yeah. No. I feel like it speaks not only to Dunk as a person, but again to Sir Arlen and the values that he raised him with. Um, you know, and the fact that Dunk, you know, he does straddle both worlds. He is one of the small folk, yet he kind of gets to live a life of a very much lesser noble person at the same time. And it's like he, you know, he never forgets what it's like for for people who, you know, weren't born into privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's right down to earth. I would actually really like to hear the story of how um, Alisane convinced Jaharis to not demand first night. <laughs> I think there is more about that, isn't it? In is the Rice and Fire? Yeah, I think so. There you go. Got to crack that book open. <laughs> Again? Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm actually tempted since reading these to go take a look at that book. <laughs> yeah. I have it. I haven't looked at it. <laughs> well, it's 87% Targaryen, so enjoy that. <laughs> okay, so of the 12 men who show up, eight are viable for training. Dunk thinks they are a sorry lot. Three of the men are Watts and two of them brothers. 
So I'm kind of with <laughs> Venice on this one. Like, what the fuck, mom? Why would you name two? Of you? <laughs> like, this I is know. my brother Daryl, and this is my other brother Daryl. <laughs> Isn't it George Foreman that named all of his kids George Foreman? Though? Yes. <laughs> yes. What I is mean, with that? Were, were they in Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they like asked her, so what do you want to name your son? What? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Who's on first? <laughs> I got put on the birth certificate. <laughs> so they fashioned spears from branches in the woods. and uh, um, But training is hard as they have several men with the same name. They have to come up with nicknames to distinguish the Watts from each other using the crops they grow. The one Watt had fallen down a well <laughs> once, so Bennis names him Wet Watt, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Bennis has his moments. <laughs> Sir Osprey gives a semi-rousing speech and looks on from his tower as Bennis and Dunk train the men. It doesn't go too well. Dunk thinks he could have killed them each a half a dozen times. Um, the men, however, that are training are super pumped, and um, the two vets, Lemon Pate, recount stories of plunder and women fighting in the Blackfire Rebellion. So, before bed, Bennis tells Dunk he wished Sir Useless had fucked more peasants um, uh, while well, he had a bit of sap left in his sad old balls. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Venice cracks me up. <laughs> he says, they at least might have had a few soldiers. Venice is not thrilled at their odds with these peasant men. And in the evening, Egg helps Dunk prepare a bath. Egg expresses his concern for the men as well. Um, so after his bath, Dunk goes to the roof where he prefers to sleep and egg is already out dunk stares up at the sky it reminds him of ashford meadow meadow and uh, he hopes not to see any shooting stars as the last one brought him very little luck he remembers the tourney three men who had lost their lives but he did gain egg god this is so i mean there's just something i mean really melancholy about this whole novella i think even compared to the other two and it just you know like as dunk is is bathing and and talking to egg you just kind of get i don't know the sense of sadness there's so much brienne in him i'm sorry i know i keep saying this no but it's God, true no, i said the same yeah. thing like when i when eon first like lent gave me her books <laughs> lent gave because i'm not giving them back <laughs> I said the same thing like this is he's he's like Brienne he's, this is just Brienne this is Brienne all over the place so. yeah you oh, can yeah. literally switch their names and put insert Brienne and it's the same Absolutely. you could you could yeah. but I think you know there's this is where they got into the conversation about you know naming the horses and stuff too and yeah. you uh, know yeah, and Right, and like egg naming, you know, egg giving giving them all names, attached themselves, you know, made him made them attach, made him attach himself to them, and you know that actually just makes me think of Jamie, like oh yeah, you know that, and it's you know you know Jamie actually didn't name his horses, like he was like the one that of all of like the ways that Jamie is kind of sentimental, like that's something that you know he couldn't do anymore. So it's just kind of interesting that no, I mean, despite all of it, like that. You know, it just goes to show like his cynicism compared to you know compared to Don, compared to Brienne, compared mm-hmm. to Sir Arlen, even. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I also love that uh, Dunk was willing to pull out his little, you know, his boot just for these like eight guys. I think it's just eight guys. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. because he, he doesn't want to see them die or get hurt. I, I think it just tells, you know, what kind of character Dunk is as well. Not Dunk, uh, Egg. Egg, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was but talking then about it. You know, it's kind of interesting if, you, you know, when this is happening, it's not like they're training him to be a king. But in essence, you know, he was being trained to be a king. And, you know, as king is, you know, is that the right decision? Yeah. You know, like, well, yeah, these are the questions that you write right, into, yeah. I think. And these are the charge. questions I, I think that, you know, you read about his, his reign. And that's kind of, you know, some of, some of the questions that or some of the issues that he had. So, you can, you know, it's really clever. You see, like, the dawn of the dawn of it right here. And while, you know, you might love him as a character, you can kind of see where, like, as a king, oh, yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't work out at all. Made him too soft for some of the harder decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> that's why he got. That's why he gets the kill of the boy speech when he gets older. Hmm. True. That's a, you know a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Well, another oh, there's parallels with John. See the whole damn thing. It's, <laughs> the whole damn thing is parallels. <laughs> God damn you, George. <laughs> <laughs> You know what would make the parallels more effective is if either story was finished. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's when I see, like, him talking about how, oh, Duncan Egg would be great as, like, a series of two-hour movies. It's like, hey, you fucker, you're not even finished with these books either. Like, what are you talking about? You have an HBO series, a multi-season series. Let's focus on that first. <laughs> Right? Well, it's like, how unsatisfying would it be to see the third Duncan Egg n- movie and then, like, there wouldn't be an end to the story still? Oh, God <laughs> damn it, George. <laughs> Priorities, dude. Priorities. <laughs> or, yeah, pick something. So that night, Dunk dreams of mountains and white sands. Um, his horse Chestnut has died with egg on his back. Dunk digs a grave while three Dornishmen look on and mock. Sir Arlen tells Dunk, you never cried for me. Baylor Breakspear says the same. Prince Velar is there as well, and uh, he's questioning why the gods would take his father and not Dunk. Dunk continues to dig with Egg helping him. At the bottom of the grave is Big Rob the Simpleton. Dunk tells him, you're not dead, you're sleeping in the cellar. When Dunk turns, Sir Arlen no longer stands over him. It's Bennis and all the men that they were training. And from their mouths trickle blood. Dunk yells at Egg to run. The sand starts to fall in around them. And the sands take Egg, then begin to fill Dunk's mouth, nose, and eyes. You know, to me, even his dreams remind me of Brienne's dreams. I mean, they're all filled with guilt and just. Actually, this reminds me of uh, Jamie's werewolf dream a little bit. Just being the part where, you know, he's standing there and then all these people are confronting him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of Brienne's dream of when she, like, you know, or not when she's dreaming of, like, biting her own tongue out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having Renly switch to Jamie and like that just yeah. sense of help, that sense of helplessness. Yeah, I mean it is riddled with guilt, right? Like he's feeling the, the weight of what he's about to do with these men that he know he knows it's dire and they don't stand a chance. So it's it's just guilt, yeah. literally. Well, and I mean, him. knowing that he also has like a means to prevent it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if he would have kept his mouth shut about the water, 
<laughs> well, I mean, even, you know, the boot, I mean, he can, you know, he knows oh, yeah. that he can, he can prevent this. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that we haven't really talked about with this chapter is, you know, is it egg that kind of um, minimizes the, or, you know, I think some of the characters are minimizing the, con- you know, there's this idea is the conflict important or not. Um, right. That, you know, and I think there's the sense of like, oh, it's just these two little, these two little, um, castles, whatever. But I mean, it, it's water in a drought and, you know, it is a matter of life and death. What do you think people. about the scenario yeah. though, if he did use his boot, like how would that have played out? Like, how do you, you mean at, that? You mean at this point with in the story? Rohan? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I probably uh, she, she probably, I don't know. Would she, I think she probably would have just given up the, well, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Cause here's the uh, thing, uh, right? Like eggs pretty valuable. I mean, it would be pretty yeah, but stupid to do anything, I guess. Like, is he at this point? Then. I mean, he's still so low on the totem pole. I mean, like, there's a there's a point where it's like, you know, you're you're between the line of, oh, you can march in like a Targaryen prince and and do something here, or you can march in and they look at you and you're a little kid and there's just the squire and a couple other people that know you exist and they just kill everybody and then yeah, right, and nobody knows what happened to you. She just pulls out her parchment with the Targaryen seal on yeah. it and nothing really happens. Yeah. It could go a couple ways. <laughs> There's no guarantee that it would go their way, though, right? No, because it's like you know he's not he's not worth starting a huge war over. Egg isn't. Yeah, especially right now. I mean, other than to Arian, clearly Arian would start a war over anything. But <laughs> I don't think anybody else. But... Like he might be on the other side, though. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> So that's going to end um, the part one of this this story for us. Um, does any parting any parting shots thoughts? Oh <sighs> God, the mood of this is just so bleak, and I mean, obviously there's a drought, and that's exactly what George is trying to paint. But oh, it's almost painful, like painfully aching in my soul just to read some of this. Especially being in the middle of summer right now, and it's hot. <laughs> you really yeah. get into it right now. Summer is coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, like just I think what got me was the description of the ruts in the road. We you know when mud dries, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just hard like a rock. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and the other thing about this is like it's just so frustrating because. I don't know if it's just like the farmer's daughter in me or what, but like the idea of someone damming off a stream or river like this and thinking they could take it all from everyone who is downstream. I mean, regardless what we're going to find out in the next section of this about Sir Eustace's rights, um, <laughs> the water doesn't end at Sir Eustace's like land. It goes on right. somewhere else. You can't just fucking dam off a whole stream. <laughs> yeah. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? I know, right? <laughs> That's, that, that's that's how you should feel. Piss me off too. Yeah. And it's like be mad at be mad at Sir Eustace and have like a whole you know vendetta against him or whatever. Fine. But what about his small folk? Like these people are gonna die if there are no crops. Eustace will live. Yeah. They'll die. Yeah, that was a pretty assholeish thing to do. I mean, <laughs> at what point do you, do we have to come to realize though that like. The vast majority of people, even the people that we come to like in this universe, don't give a shit about the small folk. Yeah, they just don't fucking yeah. care. No. Bastards. Nope. Uh-huh. Except Dunk. Except Dunk. And Brienne. And Brienne. 
Oh, and sometimes Jamie. And Edmure Tully, damn it. Edmure Tully. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else can just fuck right off. <laughs> All right. So I think that'll bring us to the end of the chapter discussion. Do we have mail? And we did, do. Oh, great. I'm glad you gathered that. <laughs> yes, I gathered. <laughs> All right. We got an Anon that says, I love this podcast, especially the book episodes. Funny and insightful at the same time. You guys are awesome. My favorite is Lot. Aw. Well, <laughs> hello there, Anon. <laughs> if do that's you th- your real name. <laughs> do you think Jamie inherited some of his personality from his great-grandmother, Ro- Rohan? Mm-hmm. Yes, I wanted to bring that up. Everyone pretty much is... Everyone was? Hey, Gatto. We lose Gatto just when she was getting into the good stuff. <laughs> With bated breath, Gatto, come back! No, come back! back. <laughs> All right, let's uh, do the next message, and hopefully, we'll get her back. Okay. Uh, we got another anon that says, "I'm currently Team Tenzel, but if George ever gets there, he won't. I suspect I'll probably change to Team Brienne's great grandma." I was wondering, what do you think she should she would be like, both in terms of personality and of social position? The fact that she kept Duck's shield since Brienne remembers seeing it on her father's armory, and that their illegit- illegitimate child ended up with descendants who are lords and ladies of Tarth intrigues me so much. Their relationship would be interesting to see. I think this might tie into kind of what Gatto is going to mess it up. Um say before she got disconnected. Um, Gato, do we have you back right now? Yeah. Okay, what were you going to say before you got Yay. kicked off? Oh, no, no yeah, the, the Lannisters are pretty much all descended from Lady Rowan. Yeah. See, I always yeah. had that backwards. For some reason, I thought Rohan was related to Brienne because of the freckles, but that was my loose loose theory. <laughs> well, we learned from that, you know, the, the world of Ice and Fire that she ended up marrying one of the Lannisters. So that's and, the common yeah. descendant yeah. that we're thinking. But then she disappears, though. Well, later on. we don't know. Again, I yeah, know. yeah, because there is a theory that, in fact, she is an ancestor to both Jamie and Brienne. I don't know what I think about that, but I guess I mean, it's possible. It would explain why he likes her if they're related. But yeah, but, oh, but, I mean, she had four kids with with Gerald Lannister, and she was like twenty five at this point. And she hadn't married Gerald Lannister yet. So, I mean, the age is starting to, you know, the mm-hmm. age for her time is starting to creep up a bit, too, for her to have had, like, some kid, you know, a kid with dog. Yeah. But, like, in the world of Ice and Fire, it said that Tarth recently was discovered it has some Targaryen blood as well. Yeah. So there's also the theory. I mean, yeah. we've speculated and I've heard theories, too, because we talked about it for that episode. Maybe, like, Dunk got one of Egg's sisters pregnant and... Maybe they shipped her off to, and married a lord on Tarth, and maybe that was the illegitimate child right there. I mean, maybe that could have happened. Yeah. It's yeah. so funny because this has just been Tumblr for the last week and a half. This is exactly yeah. this story. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, who knows? Who the fuck knows? We don't know for sure what we'll the We'll probably never find is. out. We no, may not we'll... find out. Yeah, because yeah. I think it's something yeah. we would find out from. Dunkin' Egg stories, and I well, would be surprised if we actually get another one. I don't know, because I mean, you know, George has obviously written a lot um, 
by a lot, I mean the two chapters that he's released and probably nothing more than that, <laughs> um, of Arianne and, the, Arianne and the Stormlands in Winds. And so, you know, to me it seems perfectly reasonable that Salwyn Tarth is someone that we might meet in that book, just given I, I think he has a fairly high propensity to um, be a secret Targ supporter. I completely disagree with that. Really? <laughs> Yeah, no, I doubt it. I think he threw completely in with the Baratheons. I think it's a good sign that he was pretty well connected to them. I but, doubt you know, it. I he doubt he has it. no like love of the uh, land. You know, obviously no love of the Lannisters. So yeah, but he's like theoretically he is sworn to Stannis. He hasn't actually given any support to Stannis, but he is hasn't he? completely. I mean, up. he well he, he he has agreed to meet with Stannis's men. He didn't yeah, like but, kill them. But wasn't so that pre pre Renly's death? Yeah, I can't remember if it was before or after, but I th- I think he definitely was supporting Renly, and I think you know at this point I you think he I was? would be shocked if he would support an Egon, not just because of the fact that I don't see any reason that he would support Egon, but the, the fact only- that I don't think George would set him up to take a fall like that. I mean, clearly Egon is going to be you know a completely- well. The only way I could say it. It is, you know, if it's in terms of, uh, you know, Egan's here with the Golden Company and it's an overwhelming force and you're also part Targaryen and why don't you just bend the knee and save all your people? I mean, yeah. obviously he did bend the knee. And well, to save or people, and we, we don't know. know. He's not, he could be dead, you know. Well, he could be dead. He could be dead. I imagine we would have heard that he was dead just because yeah. by this point, Brienne's a POV character and I think George would have included it if he were dead. Um, I doubt that he's dead. I I. I do think he did surrender, but I don't think that's the same thing as throwing in with, with the Aegon's for, forces, and I doubt very much that he will. I, I just don't see it from a story perspective why it would make sense for George to do that. The only way I Although could see we it may was, meet him. Yeah, and I could see it from a story perspective if you thought that perhaps, and I'm going to go like deep into fan fiction territory short for a short second, you know, if you think that instead of, you know, Sansa going north to Winterfell with you know, Jamie and or Brienne, that she actually is going south to Egan. Um, then, uh, you know, then yeah, gets- see, I disagree with those three. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have no Aegon. idea. I think if anybody is marrying Egan, it's either Arianne or it's uh, Ilya Sand. Is yeah, I mean, and they're all going to die, but I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. kind of doubt that, but I do think we may see Selwyn, certainly. That's entirely possible. I think we'll def. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm less surprised if we see him on the show than I would in the books, actually, but just because there's, they're losing viable characters in the you, southern you know half would, of Westeros. Yeah. You know what would suck if Selwyn is introduced as the first the um the first chapter in oh, Wins. That would be the worst. Oh god, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Dion, <laughs> you stuff something in your mouth. Find a dirty sock. <laughs> you stop that right now. Oh, that's like when did you? You know, it's like when did you throw wins across the room? Oh, when I saw the, the first the prologue page. Like the first word, Selwyn Tarth. The chapter would just be titled The Even Star. Oh, George. So how hard would it be to like, because you know, something like that would be exactly the thing that would leak before the book came out. <laughs> I feel like just fandom would just die. I love it. I kind of want it to happen now. <laughs> 
I mean, I know it's supposed to be like Jane Westerling and stuff in the chapter, but now I'm thinking this might be a better idea, George, if you're, if you're oh, listening. God. I take back all that shit I said about you earlier. If you seen... Even star. The even star. <laughs> yeah, the even star. That would be awesome. All right. <laughs> we got more messages. Yes, we do. Um, another Anon says, so after having read the Duncan Egg Tales... What can each of you say you have taken away from the novels? Love your podcast, by the way. I'm a newbie. It's it's like it squares uh, your Brienne love. It just like <laughs> exponentially increases your love for Brienne. Absolutely. I think like for me, it's that George's, you know, I think a lot of people, they make it all the way through dance and they're like, this is this horrible nihilistic world that, you know, George Martin has created. And it's all about, you know, killing your favorite character. And or it's, you know, all about violence or, you know, or whatever. And, you know, you read this story and it's not like super happy, but you can you, know, you see that theme in it. You see that he's talking about kind of the way we, um, you know, the way we've organized our society, the things that we're prioritizing, the things that are like important and, you know, what it means to be, you know, to live an honorable life. And it's more than you know, just this dragon, you know, dragon and death series. Yeah. And it's really about, I think, wartime versus peacetime, right? Like in the circumstances and pressures you're under during both, both of those times. Yeah. The contrast between them. Yeah. I like saying like uh, the stories on a smaller scale. Like a more human, yeah, like a more human scale that it's still, you know, like, the tragedy of a farmer who all of a sudden doesn't have any water is just as great as the tragedy of Rob Stark at the Red Wedding, you know, for that person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a good question. Yeah. All right. Uh, another one uh, from Heidi Moe. It says, hi there, ladies. I just had to email again and let you know that I've continued to binge listen to your podcast over the past week. So I hear your voices ringing in my head at all hours of the day. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to share my funny listening experience. I teach first grade and have spent the last few weeks cleaning out my classroom and getting it ready for the new school year while listening to your podcast all the while. Last week, I was up on a ladder stapling papers up for a bulletin board that had some episodes of yours blaring away. I don't remember which one from the surround sound speakers we have hooked up in our classrooms. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Someone was laughing about the backdoor slash moon door podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And then you all burst out into 13-year-old virgin giggles. When I started laughing myself and I hooted loudly, backdoor moon door, over and over, (laughs) and was cackling hysterically with you all. (laughs) pan over to my classroom door which I hear open and see some construction worker dude standing there looking at me up on the ladder (laughs) laughing and hooting at myself he glances up at the ceiling where your laughter and backdoor and moon door exclamations (laughs) or something like were blaring loudly from the lovely new speaker system they had just installed I jumped off the friggin' ladder as fast as I could and ran over to turn the speakers down as the guy stared at me, probably thanking the gods that his kid wasn't in my class. (laughs) (laughs) Some doors have no place in the California curriculum. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like I said, I should be shocked that a first grade teacher is listening to this while preparing their classroom for the year. But I happen to know for a fact elementary school teachers are some of the dirtiest motherfuckers out there. (laughs) 
imagine? God like, bless I, you. I don't know if they have nap time in first grade, but can you imagine somebody playing your podcast for nap time? That's <laughs> <laughs> horrible. We are not well, safe for first graders. No, we are not. No. Definitely earbud fodder. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, that Heidi, that is like exactly what it's like to just be us on a day-to-day basis. Exactly that sort of situation. So you're one of us now. Yeah. One of us. <laughs> We got one from Mitchell, our past guest from last week. And it says, Hello, podcast friends. I really enjoyed the Hedge Knight Part 2. I can't say why, but I think it was one of your best episodes. (laughs) Great, Mitchell. Yeah. God, I was like, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) So he says, I wanted to share this story that I think you will all enjoy. A couple months ago, I started aggressively encouraging slash coercing my friends. I use that term loosely to read A Song of Ice and Fire. Last week, my most successful case in terms of of his will, willingness to discuss the books came books with me came to me. Mitch, can I talk to you for a minute? He said in a more serious voice than I, I've ever heard him use. He then sat down as if he were about to receive grave News. Um, he avoided eye, eye contact for a while before asking, "Does Jamie have feelings for Brienne?" <laughs> <laughs> I weirded him out by getting too excited, so I just said, "You're right to come with to me with this." <laughs> <laughs> then I asked yes. him what happened, and he described the golden bitch slap that we know and love. <laughs> It just seems like he must be really into her, he finished. Absolutely, I said. That's exactly how it seems and how it is. He just sat there for a while thinking, I imagine that this is how Prince Prince Makar looked after Dunk told him his kids were shit because they grew up in castles. It was like he'd known for a while but was just coming to terms with it. (laughs) Finally, he got up to leave. But just before going, said, good, I had to know, with a smile on his face. Aww. <laughs> one of these, us. Oh, my God. I love these <laughs> stories. Yeah. so much. Yeah. Like, how hard uh, would it be to, like, sit there as, like, receiving this news and not just to, like, pounce the person? <laughs> I, I think that it was good that you came to me. <laughs> you did the right thing. This is so yeah, solid. I don't want to open Pandora's box. Yeah. One of my coworkers, um, his mother is staying is staying with him for a while, and you know he had to go. He and his wife both had to go to work today, so they. He is telling me he's like, "Yep, I set you know Cora, his mom. I set Cora up with my HBO Now, and you know, gave her episode one of Game of Thrones last night, and just told her to press the button." You know, when she wanted to go to the next one, and then it was like partway through the day today, he tells me, Cora just texted me. She's on episode. She just started episode nine. Oh, like, my God. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, she's not going to speak to you after this. Right. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. We need more updates. Need- I know. I know. Cora updates. <laughs> uh, looking forward to more of those. <laughs> don't, you, don't you love how often it's like when people get to the golden bitch slap that they start to realize there's something between Jamie and Brienne? I love it. Hey, that was me, so I can't can't make fun. (laughs) That's exactly what happened with my sister. It was like suddenly, bam, phone calls, texts. What just happened? What just happened in this chapter? It was like a bitch slap to the face of realization. (laughs) How did she read the Oathkeeper chapter? I, what? 
like I that's what I don't really like really how can you read that oathkeeper chapter and not like that's just they're so weird with each other they're just so oh, know. you know so bizarre like but I don't think I got it the first something time going on I definitely didn't get it I'm the thick uh-uh. I, I can't pick I up didn't. on those subtle cues I need to I was definitely shipping it after storm but I mean, I don't think I thought there was actually anything going on. Like, I don't think I thought Jamie returned anything. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, did that, the oath, that scene with um, Dunk and Rowan with the horse, did that remind you of the oath keeper scene with Jamie and Brian? Because that's what it reminded yep. me of. I haven't gotten there yep. yet. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Oh, spoilers. I just wanted to bring it up. Spoilers. <laughs> I think can can I plug now? Um, we're gonna do guys. We're gonna do like a Duncan Brienne like um, episode where we like compare like the ways that their stories everything. are pa- parallel and everything, and start sending in shit now because like it is like a mile long list of shit. <laughs> <laughs> the whole story. Can we get beefcake dunk art before then? They'll please? yes. Yes. <laughs> putting out a call for beefcake dunk art. I believe oh, putting out a call. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Uh, calling yourself actually calling all fandom artists we want beefcake dunk yeah let's let's let's, let's give other people a shot here <laughs> we want to dunk, it's dunk cake wet wet <laughs> uh taking cake. a bath uh. he can only hold his shield shopping i just only yeah. want him to wear his shield just, that's it i'm only i'm just completely picture him as chris helmsworth I don't think he's that yeah. good looking. I, no, I but like less good looking Chris yeah, I feel like he's more burly. Oh, he's like a everyday man kind of thing, but really big, like tall and physically built. Like well, stringy, and... like Tony Mandarich, like stringy hair. Who? <laughs> oh, sorry, I, it was a Packer reference. Um, God, <laughs> like who? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Football. Like a stringy, like stringy blonde hair. You'll have to send me a picture, Guile. No, it's not attractive. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, fandoms. <laughs> not attractive. <laughs> All right. We got more messages, or was that it? We do. We got some more. Um, King's Token says, hi. I love that you're reading the Dunkin' Egg novellas. I like these stories, but really wish George has shown us Dunkin' Egg's adventures in Dorne and the Reach. Dunk mentions visiting Old Town. I would have loved to see a young Meister Amon. And see the interaction between Egg and Eamon. By the way, Eamon talks about Egg. You get the feeling that they had a really close relationship. I also wondered what you thought of the theory that Dunk is behind Rowan's disappearance later in life. Thanks for all the hard work, King's Token. That would have been mm. cool. I would have liked to. Have, I would like to see an interaction between Eamon and Egg and Dunk. There's so many storylines that I would love to see happen with Dunk and Egg. There's so many. Well, because I think, aren't they supposed to go to Winterfell at some point? Yeah. And even George just hinted that he was planning on writing another Dunkin' Egg novella. And I I want to say it was called, like, The She-Wolves of Winterfell. Yeah. And yeah. who knows if that's going to happen or not. I mean, happens. I kind of hope it doesn't. <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen until we get at least I mean, a couple more books of the main Exactly. Song the it's like, I won't, I want to read more Dunkin' Egg, but I really want wins. So. Yeah. <laughs> I want yeah. I want winds and, and Dream of Spring way more. Right. I know. It's hard. It really is. It is. Oh, all right. Um we got another one from Heidi. It says, Hi there, ladies. Thanks again for another great podcast last week. And you read my email. Yay. 
<laughs> I, I really, I really am enjoying these stories and especially getting to know the characters and personalities of Duncan Egg in relation to each other. A part, a part I found kind of endearing was when Egg is indig- indignant that Sir Bennis, yuck, hasn't even named his horse, and Dunk lets him know that many knights never do that, so the grief isn't so bad when they lose them in battle. As the story, as the story progresses and Dunk and Bennis round up the village men to help fight, I love the part when Egg was suggesting names for the men based on what kind of crops they grew. To me, they made me think of some extremely PC-sounding Westerosi, Westerosi football teams. Go Melons! <laughs> Hurrah, Barleycorns! Anyway. Barleycorns would be a great name for a football team. <laughs> I agree, yeah. Here's a random Any- question. What crop would you distinguish yourselves by? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Cherry uh, tomato. <laughs> I was going to say where I'm from, pot, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I would like be cranberries. Yeah, I'd be oranges. Oranges? Yeah, Miami, Florida. Yeah. yeah. It's not that I'd, random. Um, I'd be um, petroleum oil products. <laughs> <laughs> be petrol. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, petrol. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, let's see. Um, what were you a lot? Oh, I went cherry tomato because that's the only thing I've ever tried to grow. Okay. <laughs> Comes in a little pot from Costco. <laughs> I was just thinking of what's around my area that's farmed very, like, heavily, and that's oil and maybe rice. Wow. But oil's Yum. funnier. Yeah. Oily that's rice. too, but... Oily rice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see, and she goes on to say, anyways, once Egg begins to realize that their training is futile and the men will most likely die in the fight, he mentions how stupid it is. Then we shouldn't have named them, sir. It only may, it will only make the grief harder for us when they die. Oh, I love that everyone is as heartbroken at these sections as we are. Yeah. Likeling these simple village men, the Watts, the Wills, the Melons, etc., to the faithful and dutiful war horses, just tugged at my heartstrings. Anyways, keep up the great work. And um, she Thank says, P.S., I'm not sure if this is the official section one of the, sor- the Sworn Sword or in part two, but I have found the best pickup line ever. My lady, that gown brings out the color of your eye. <laughs> oh, Swoon. Uh-huh. Who doesn't want that wine thrown at them in a bar or castle? <laughs> I would love to be castle. wearing a gown in a bar, actually. Alone. <laughs> yeah. You're story? probably a bridesmaid in that uh, scenario. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Any compliment that talks about the eyes is just very romantic to me. I don't know. <laughs> it implies that they're looking at something, you know, or not looking, you know, they're looking at your face. eyes. Yeah, other than yeah. boobs. <laughs> or your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one says, they're all liars, though. No one's like, oh, I'm an eye man. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe Jamie Lannister. Like, that literally might be it. Eye man. Yeah, he's the only there, man. There's no men it's like him. Even, there are no men like him. <laughs> oh, was that it, Eon? That's it. Okay. That's our mail. That was plenty. We've gotten so much mail on these Dunkin' Egg episodes. It's uh, awesome. Yeah, and they're good yeah. and stuffy, right? Awesome. 
Okay, yeah. so keep sending us that stuff because we love it. Um, you can reach us several ways through email at close the door and at gmail.com. Reach us on Tumblr at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter at door podcasts. Support us on Patreon, please. You can find us there at close the door. Like, subscribe, review um, to, uh, to us in all the places, iTunes, YouTube, Google Music, and whatever platform you may listen to this podcast on. Um, thank you, Gatto, for sitting in with us. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Yay, Gatto! Yeah, thank yeah. you, Gatto. And she disconnected. <laughs> she was like... <laughs> I love it. She's like, oh, I, I hate this outro. It goes on forever. Click. <laughs> we should be talking shit about her, but there's no shit to say about Gatto. I she's know. A- I know. She's awesome. And she's actually even agreed to do our um, infamous Game of Thrones preview episodes again this year. So Yes! <laughs> if there ever is news ever that's again, we'll have it covered. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's great. Well, thank you guys. Um, this was a fun one. I can't believe it lasted a whole hour. <laughs> I really thought it wasn't going to go that long. Oh, wow. Well, this was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, you guys are good gabbers. I thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome for that. You're full of sound and fury. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. I'm going to close the door. Get out. <laughs> <laughs>